You are listening to CKVS 93.7, the voice of the Shushwap, and you are tuned into a very special episode of 25,000 Miles Radio Show. Uh, we are with Jake Burns of Stiff Little Fingers. Thanks for coming on the show, Jake. Absolutely my pleasure, Jill. Thank you. Yeah, um, so to start off, you have um, two weeks worth of Canadian shows coming up in November. Most notable for us is um, November 27th in Nelson and November 29th in Vancouver. Now, this will be your second run through Canada, correct? Yes, that's right, yeah. And was the um, the first tour, that was kind of like to, to test the waters and see how many people you could bring out, hey? That's, that's almost exactly the, 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 yeah, I mean, you know, this stage of our career, we've kind of played everywhere. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. And it was a case, it was a case, we were talking to our management, and it was like, we really want to go somewhere different, you know, it's like we do the same, the same runs every year, and it's like, I mean, well, well that's fun, because you get to see, you know, you get to see a lot of people that you've, you've come to know over the years. We did want to go somewhere, you know, that we hadn't been, really, and actually one of our, one of our managers is Canadian, and so I just happened to say to him in passing, you know, Everybody goes to Canada, plays Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver, and then leaves. And so there's got to be other places to play up there. And he was like, "Absolutely, of course there are." So we set him to work on it, and uh, we, like you said, we did. I think it was about two weeks worth the first time, and uh, we all had a great time. And you know, the, the shows were they varied from being, you know, incredibly well attended, like the Vancouver show, to not so well attended, like in you know Saskatchewan on a wet Sunday night, yeah. <laughs> Saskatoon, Saskatoon on a wet Sunday night, you know. But uh, it, that, like I said, the thing was very much testing the waters, and in, in general, uh, it was a very positive experience, and you know, we all had a good time. So when the, the chance came up to go back again, we jumped at it, and we're like, absolutely, we'd love to do it, and, and this time. And there was a lot more interest, and I think we're doing like a, a, you know almost half again as many shows this time around. So it's uh, it's something we're very much looking forward to. You know? Yeah, yeah. I noticed that on on uh, these tour dates, uh, Saskatchewan's not not there. Yeah, I mean that, that actually wasn't anything against it being sort of you know poorly attended. Like I said, I, I, I you know I blame both the weather and the, and the night of the week. Um, no, it was just it was just logistically it just didn't fit, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And um, but you've added some really um, really great spots that not a lot of bands get to. You you added um, Halifax, Moncton. Uh, you're hitting Thunder Bay, and um, yeah. the, so you're taking the long route through Canada. You're going to be doing those long drives. How do you feel about that? Well, again, that was, you know, that was something, because again, you, know, you look at it initially and you think, well, it's no different to doing a tour in America. There are always long drives involved. Um, but the difference being that uh, there are just, you know, that many fewer people up there. So those long drives really are long drives. <laughs> driving here, you know, you can sort of say, well, look, you know, we've got, we got a day in between those two. Can we not put a show in somewhere? And we tried to do that, I think, actually, on the day before we played Thunder Bay. And there's wasn't anywhere to play you know it's like you're, you're driving through you're driving through trees and, and scenery basically there's there's nothing else there which is which is spectacular and a lot of fun but you know we're not there on vacation we're there to work so, <laughs> yeah. You know, so, um, it, it, yeah but yeah I mean we, we did that in the last time through and it's uh, it, again I, I really enjoyed it I'm, and I'm, I'm sure the other guys did as well you know because again on a tour bus you, you generally don't see anything I know that sounds crazy but you know generally you're traveling through the night so you're asleep yeah. Um, and you know, you, you go to sleep outside the, the, the that night's venue, and you wake up the sl- uh, uh, outside the, the next night's venue. So to actually have a day when we were traveling through, like I said, and there really is some spectacular scenery, as you're well aware. 
um, was just, you know, it was, it was great. I really enjoyed it, and I'm really looking forward to doing it again, you know? Awesome, yeah. Um, so, I'd like to kind of start from the beginning. So, before Stiff Little Fingers, and before your cover band, Highway Star, uh, what got you into music and playing music? Um, well, again, it's, it's a matter of public record. It was actually seeing Rory Gallagher um, that, that made me want to pick up a guitar. Um, it was actually his band Taste. Their, their uh, farewell show was being broadcast from the Ulster Hall in Belfast. Uh, obviously, I was, I was born and grew up in Belfast. So I was probably, I'm trying to think, I'd probably been 11, 11 years old. 11 or 12 um, when I saw that um, and uh, I basically was sitting you know watching the football results of, of a Saturday evening and, and got up at the end of uh, the end of the results to leave the front room and uh, and they basically they, they started playing and I sort of froze in my tracks and went what is that noise? You know, and so I came back and uh, I sat down and, and, and was transfixed. And basically, it was at that point I kind of said to myself, "That's what I want to do," which sounds incredibly precocious for, like I said, an eleven-year-old. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, I'd, I'd always been interested in music. I mean, not not necessarily to play it, just because I was, I was just a big fan. I and mean, there was always music being played in our house. Not that anybody was a musician, but my dad was a huge Hank Williams fan and, and you know, sort of old country music in general. So that was always being played. Um, I always bought a lot. Of, uh, I guess pop records like most kids, you know. Um, yeah. uh, you know anything that was on the Tamla Motown label, I tended to buy it. Um, and uh, but I think also, you know, one of the reasons that led to the, the being precocious was my friends were a couple of years older than me in, in general. Um, so they were already like sort of fourteen and starting to listen to two people like Gallagher and, and and the first Led Zeppelin record and things like that. So, you know, for an eleven-year-old, you know, when really I probably should have been listening to glam rock and. Stuff. I was listening to Black Sabbath, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so, uh, but yeah, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was definitely drawn towards it. I mean, it took another couple of years, I think, before I finally talked my parents into getting me a guitar. But uh, and I think they, they they saw it as you know, sort of, oh, it's just another another fad you'll grow out of. But uh, obviously, it wasn't. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here you are, so many years later, doing your thing. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, and then, of course, came Highway Star, and that's uh, named after a Deep Purple song, right? Right, and again, you know, that goes back to, like I was saying, you know, the, the records I was listening to at, at that stage were all, you know, of, of that ilk. So, uh, uh, I mean, it didn't take too long after. I mean, again, Highway Star, a lot of people make, you know, like great claims for it. We were very much a school band, you know, and I'd be amazed if the band played more than three shows, seriously, in public, <laughs> you know. I mean, the rest, most of the time, was spent in rehearsal rooms. Uh, and you know those were begged from the school, so yeah, uh, it was it, it was very much a school band, and it was it was a, it was a hobby. I mean, and, and to be honest, after Stiff Little Fingers was when we started as well. It was just a hobby. Um, it was a way to to hear the music that we liked played live um, because again at the time there was there was a lot of civil unrest in Ireland and, uh, and in Belfast particularly so a lot of bands wouldn't come and play there they were either um, too afraid to come over or you know they were denied insurance because it was too risky and uh, so you know we, we basically reckoned if we ever wanted to hear this music live we'd have to do it ourselves and, and that's you know that, that's where it came from really yeah yeah for sure and um so then, of course, after that, after the, the school band, uh, Stiff Little Fingers. So yeah. when you decided to do uh, Stiff Little Fingers, you already kind of touched on this, but who were your, your big influences at the time? Well, again, you know, like, like I said, you know, initially I was listening to sort of the early uh, heavy metal 
problems, I suppose. And uh, but I got fed up with them by by the the time that the punk rock actually happened, if you like. Um, I'd started to veer more towards listening to actual songwriters rather than you know listening to somebody play a ten minute guitar solo or whatever. And uh, you know, so by that stage, I'd become a big fan of, of Bob Dylan. I'd become a big fan of, and I became a fan of what. Uh, is sometimes derisively referred to as pub rock in, in Britain. Yeah. That would have been people like Graham Parker, Dr. Feelgood, Eddie and the Hot Rods, that sort of thing. Um, and, and I like the fact that they wrote songs that were short, sharp, and to the point, and done in three minutes, you know. And they were pretty much, Dr. Feelgood particularly were uh, uh, very much a precursor of a lot of the, the punk rock bands. Um, I mean, there's a story that Clem Burke of, of Blondie bought their first album when they, when they first were over in London. I brought it back to New York and played it to everybody from the Talking Heads to the Ramones. You know, so uh, they had a bigger influence than I think a lot of people realise. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was that was kind of you know my mind was, was travelling along those lines when punk actually happened. And uh, when it did happen, it was it, I thought it was glorious. It was a real short, sharp shock, like I said. And uh, it was exactly what I felt the music business needed. At the time. Not that I knew anything about the music business side of things, but um, just as a fan, you know. Uh, and uh, the thing was, I thought it was exactly that, just a short, short shock. It was going to be gone and done in six months, and, you know, we'd see who was standing at the end of that. I didn't see any long-term future for, for any of the bands, to be honest, which is somewhat ridiculous, speaking of this remove, you know. Um, but until I heard The Clash, and, I mean, The Clash was was definitely sort of, you know, that was a real road to Damascus moment, because they were actually writing songs that were about something, and specifically about their own lives, and that, that appealed to me hugely. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that was, you know, that was when I suddenly saw that, that I felt that was something I could do, you know, and uh, again, we were encouraged at that point by our, our first managers, uh, in particular, uh, Gordon Ogilvy, who, who was the world's most reluctant band manager. I mean, he basically wanted to be a songwriter. He didn't really want to manage a band, but, <laughs> you know, as, as he couldn't play an instrument, and, I mean, he was actually a very, he was an incredibly good lyric writer, but we also needed somebody to take care of the business side of things, so he became, the, but by default, he became, okay, well, you're the manager now. He was like, yeah, okay. And yeah. <laughs> that was kind of that, you know? Yep, all right. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, that worked out incredibly well for all of us, you know? Um, but so, yeah, I mean, it, it, we, um, you know, it sounds like we fell into it by accident. We really didn't, but um, it was just kind of following, uh, it was following what we, you know, what we really, uh, what we really were interested in, you know? Yeah, yeah, right on. And, I mean, and like you were saying, obviously, uh, without saying, your influences change uh, after 41 years as a band. Um, who do you think your big influences are today? That's, that's an interesting question, because um, today is, you tend to look at, uh, at what people are doing and what they're, they're writing. Um, they're now the competition, do you know what I mean? They're not, yeah, yeah. They're not, they're not necessarily... Uh, you know, you, you, I mean, some things still blow me away. I mean, there are still bands that, you know, I hear, and, and I, I don't necessarily start to think, how are they doing that? Which is what I used to think in the early days. Now I start to think, why didn't I think of that? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, that is a really interesting question because, like I said, I don't consider people influences to that degree anymore. I mean, they're still, the influences I had back then are still the influences I have today because they're the reason I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the songwriting front, I would still love to be able to write something as, as good as, as something like Elvis Costello could write, for example. And, and yeah. uh, you know, it, it, 
in terms of being a, a live band, I would like to think that we could still be as, as incendiary as The Clash were on their best nights, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, we've done, I've, we've done so much touring with so many other bands. Um, there are bands that I admire for what they do, um, and, uh, you know, bands that I enjoy watching. Uh, I mean, a band like Bad Religion, for example, I, I never get tired of just simply because I love the fact that they... they, they marry the, the whole melody with, with the energy that they, those guys have and there's an intelligence there as well which I'm always a big fan of you know um, and uh, you know it's a, so like I said it's, it's, it's more people that I either admire or or if I'm being completely honest you sort of stand and think what can I steal from this yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's an element of that as well you know <laughs> exactly I think there's a, I think there's more of that than, than we think a lot of oh, stealing. absolutely. Well, I mean, there are only a certain number of, of, of chords and notes, you know, so it's just a question of juggling them into the right order. That's, you know, that's <laughs> yep. what it is. Exactly. Um, okay, so this is kind of a three-part question. So I'd like to ask you about the very first show you played, the best show you've played, and the worst show you've ever played. Wow. So, okay. so we'll start uh, well, with the, the first show you played. Well, that's easy because that's just a question of memory. Yeah. The first show that we ever played was, uh, as Difficult Fingers, was in a band called uh, Paddy Lambs on the Newton Arch Road in Belfast. And, uh, I mean, I'm not really sure that they knew what they were getting, you know. Uh, yeah. It was, you know, I think it was, it was probably a Tuesday or Wednesday, certainly a midweek night. It wasn't, uh, you know, they weren't going to risk us on a weekend, you know, because they didn't know yeah. what we were. Um, and, you know, we went and we sat up, and uh, there, there can't have been many people there. I mean, probably 20 or 30 at most, you know. And, uh, and we just basically launched into, you know, a, a, I think we started with the Dr. Feelgood song and, and, you know, went from there through. We, they were all pretty much cover versions apart from, I think we'd written two songs of our own at that point. Um, and we still, I, I mean, Ali somewhere has the original set list, which he busy sellotaped onto his, his guitar. Um, and according to, according to that list, we must have played for getting on for two and a half to three hours. You know, it's just <laughs> insane. Looking back on the sort of uh, and aspirations to be Bruce Springsteen when you start, like, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was all cover versions. I mean, you know, at, at one point, I seem to recall, I, I was running across the top tabletops kicking people's drinks over, which probably didn't get down terribly well. Yeah. Um, but what it did, what it did do for us was we met a bunch of guys who were also in a punk rock band, and we we thought we were the only one, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, these guys were in a band called Rudy, and uh, we met them. And uh, you know, there was a, there was a huge element of competition among the bands. We, we later found out there was another band in Belfast called the Outcasts. And to be fair, for the for the longest time, we were the only three in in Belfast. Mm-hmm. We later heard of we later heard of the Undertones in Derry and uh, the Boomtown Rats down, and the Radiators down in, in Dublin. But you know uh, that that came later uh, into our consciousness, basically. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean that was that, that was as much as I remember of that show was it was pretty chaotic. Yeah. Um, the other thing about it was we hated the name. We hated our name. We only took it because the guy who was who booked us uh, was putting an ad in the local newspaper and he called us up and we were originally going to call ourselves the fast and uh, we discovered that there was a band in New York who, uh, who had a track on the Live at CBGB's album called The Fast. Yeah. And quite why we thought we'd ever come in contact with these people, I don't know, but we decided we couldn't use the name. Yeah. Uh, and so we told the guy that ran the bar that we, you know, we weren't called The Fast. And he said, well, what are you called? And I said, um, I don't really know. <laughs> and sort of ran my, I ran my finger down the track listing of uh, the first Vibrators album. 
Yeah. And there was a, there was a song on that called Stiff Little Fingers. And uh, I basically said to, to Henry, who was talking to the guy on the phone, I said, look, tell him we're called Stiff Little Fingers and we'll think of a better name after the first show. And <laughs> so we, we did it. And we actually got reviewed in a local paper. Um, and it was a really good <laughs> review. Uh, so we were stuck with the name because a good review was like gold dust back then. That, that, then you could take it to other bars and show them the review and say, look, see, see, it says here we're good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. So we were stuck, we were stuck with the name. Um, Your first show and you get a review, that's... That's uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I really don't know why. I think probably because punk rock was such a novelty, you know. I mean, that probably was why. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, so there are so many things like that that happened in our, our early days that, you know, looking at the time just seemed natural. But looking back on them now, you're like, geez, how lucky were we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Okay, so now, the best show you've ever played. The best show. Uh... Yeah, that's 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 tricky as well. Um, yeah. Just simply because there've been so many highlights, you know. Yeah, uh, and it can be, I you mean, know. You know, I always invariably just as a, as a, a, a pat answer invariably say that every time we play in Glasgow, it's it's the best show we ever do. Um, because Glasgow Barrowland has become like a spiritual home for us. We've done, I think, we've played there on St Patrick's Night for something like the last twenty six or twenty seven years, and, and it shows no sign of, of stopping. Um, and it's very much, you know, it's it's very much. A, it feels like a homecoming show. Uh, and then, of course, the minute I mention homecoming, I, I can't sort of go much further without sort of mentioning playing in Belfast, which we've literally, that was the last show we did. And, uh, you know, for years, we played, we played pretty much every major venue that, that Belfast has, has to offer. Um, we played, I mean, the, the, the sort of the traditionally, the traditional hall to play was a, a place called the Ulster Hall, which holds, I think, just shy of 2,000 people. And uh, that was where the, the scene of that very first Rory Gallagher show I was talking about that made me want to pick it up. That was where that was filmed. So that's almost had a very special place in my heart, you know. Um, but now we've, we've taken to playing an open air show in Belfast. We've done it for the last two years now. And if it would be an open air, we can get that many more people. And so that now is like a 5,000 capacity. And that's, there's just a huge, there's a huge wave of welcome back, which is just, you know, it's difficult to describe other than that, you know. And it's just, it's, it, it's hugely nerve-wracking for us because it's still, even though I haven't lived in, in Northern Ireland since 1978, it still feels like home every time I go back. And, and you know, it still has that, that, all the connotations that come with that. So um, I would say either Glasgow or Belfast are, are probably certainly my favourite shows to play. And equally the two that I dread, I dread the most because <laughs> there's an element of, there's always an element of, don't screw it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, and, and then, then the worst. and the then worst on the flip, yeah, that one I can do really easily. Uh, I think in 1979 we just put the first the first album had come out, and uh, you know we, we we'd done really well with it, and we were kind of I think one of the, the music covers described us as sort of as we were we were very much the new kids on the block. <laughs> um, nothing to do with that band, but just that's what we were. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, no. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and one of the music papers memorably described us as, as sort of you know the current. The current name on the back of everybody's leather jacket which we, we were you know and uh, so we were booked to play we hadn't really played much outside of the UK we'd done I think two shows in Finland of all places were the first places we played outside of the UK and then we got this offer to play a festival in I think it was on basically on the German-Belgian border it was right, right down so there and we we saw the lineup for I think the Friday night and the Friday night had people like uh, the police the pretenders 
take the specials, maybe do the, do the special squeeze, something like that. So we looked at that and went, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll fit in there. They didn't put us on that night. They put us on the next night, where we were third on the bill to Whitesnake and Uriah Heap. The audience hated us. I mean, absolutely loathed us. You know, we were, we were kind of booed on, which is a first. <laughs> and it, it, was, it was in a field uh, in a place called Bilsen. Uh, and and it, was, it had been, there had been torrential rain all day. So by the time we got anywhere near a stage, the, the field was just, it was just a, a, mud, a mud bath. And, uh, and the audience basically amused themselves by throwing large amounts of the field at us. It was, <laughs> it was just appalling. And, uh, you know, we got to, got to the end of the set and it was like just alternative also left to play. Mm-hmm. And it really was a case of we couldn't get off there quick, off the stage quick enough. And I'd taken to just, again, as was the punk rock style of the day, I'd basically taken to, you know, just insulting the audience because, sorry, if they're going to throw mud at me, I'm going to swear back at them. So, you know, yeah. this, this, this had turned into a war of attrition by this stage. There were more people, I'm serious, there were more people watching Uriah Heap's crew set gear up on the next stage than were actually watching us. And there were thousands of them there as well. <laughs> and uh, so we got to the last song and I said, oh, okay, uh, this is our last number and a huge huge cheer from the audience <laughs> thank god get the hell off you know uh, and I said so we'd like to play a song by one of our favourite bands and I started to play the opening guitar riff to Smoke on the Water <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and suddenly the audience go nuts and they all come rushing to the front of our stage <laughs> and, and, and of course the rest of the band are looking at me going what the hell are you doing we don't know Smoke on the Water what are you doing you know? <laughs> uh, and I, so I just played the initial sort of uh, 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 yeah, that bit and, uh, and once the audience sort of gathered in front of us I said what are our favourite bands us and we played Alternative Ulster and yeah. it's like there's never been I don't think there's ever been more mud launched in a band that's that's amazing love that story <laughs> um okay uh, so um you did some acoustic shows opening for the yeah. dropkick murphys uh, not too long ago i'm actually i had it again on i'm flying up actually up to edmonton on sunday i'm um, doing the i think they've got three shows in uh canada and then down the west coast so i'm doing doing those as well so i actually start again next next monday monday oh. night i'll be in edmonton oh right on yeah and then there's yeah there's edmonton and vancouver right oh man and i think kamloops as well i'm not sure oh okay all right i think so i'm not sure oh okay um and um so what's what's that like? You're you're opening acoustic for for the Dropkicks and and flogging Molly, and you're yeah. you're you're playing to a, a lot of punk rock kids just standing still. Yeah, <laughs> it was very nerve wracking. This is this will be the third time I've done it. Um, it was very very nerve wracking at first, um, and that was uh, I did it last year with with the Dropkicks and Rancid. Uh, we're on that tour and. Um, and I did, I did the first two weeks of that tour, and they had uh, somebody else do the second, second two weeks. Uh, and it was very nerve-wracking. The first, the first show I went on in Bangor, me and I believe was the first show, and you know, instantly sort of dropped parts of the guitar on this. I've got like a little amplifier on the back of the music guitar, which fell off at least three times onto the stage. The whole thing was a bit of a disaster, but I, I got through it. Um, and then, you know, you just kind of, you, you learn, you, know, you learn a different stagecraft, and it's, it, it's an interesting thing to do. And it's a lot of fun to do, actually, um, because most of it is, I, you know, I've, I've, I've reached a stage now with it where I'm not actually playing that much. I'm mainly telling stories. I mean, you, you probably noticed I can't ramble on a bit. So, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it basically is sort of, you know, telling 
telling stories from our past and hopefully, you know, making people laugh and, and also, you know, explaining how the songs were written. And I mean, the nice thing about it is that, you know, uh, quite a few of, of the Dropkick's audience actually know who I am. So that, that makes life a bit easier, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's still, there's still an element of, you know, you want to introduce yourself and you see people start looking at you going, yeah, and? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun to do, and you know they're such nice guys to tour with as well. Both them and and, and, and the rancid guys and, and the, the folks in Flog and Molly. Everybody's, you know, it really is. It's a it's a fun thing to be part of, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I bet. Um, and also, so your your songwriting it comes from a, a really personal place. And for uh, for me, most notable is on the No Going Back record, which. Um, yeah, you have a song called uh, Dark Places? Yeah. Yeah, and um, I remember this. I saw you guys in Calgary on your on your last tour. And um, you, you, it was just before you were, you were going to play this song, and I think you were talking about, you know, uh, mental health and, um, and depression. And yeah. there was a guy in the middle of the crowd, and he just starts bawling, like, just crying his eyes out and you know everyone kind of didn't know what to do with this guy and you guys you guys went into the song and I've never seen someone go so hard (laughs) in a pit before but like he wasn't hurting anyone but he was clearly having a moment and I know there are other people who have uh, thanked you for that song uh, so did you think that that song was going to have such a big impact on people? I actually didn't want to record it. Um, I was I was fairly set against recording it. Uh, I basically wrote it, like you said, I mean, <clears throat> most of my material is, is written from a point of view of, of something that offends my sense of justice, and that's, that's where it comes from. But this was very much... Um, you know, this was just me being honest, and I was being honest. Basically, I was—I I wrote down because um, I've, I've, I've suffered from depression for some time, um, and it, it, it comes like like a lot of these things. It comes and goes. You know, there are, I, I'd go months without even thinking about it, and then for no apparent reason, you know, you're you're staring at the abyss for for two or three days. Um, but you know, I'd, I'd learned enough about the problem to to recognise the warning signs, to recognise. You know, I, I, everybody has their own coping mechanism for it, whether it be, you know, whether you take antidepressant pills or whether you, um, you know, you, in my case, it's actually going out. And, you know, I used to go out on, on my bicycle and go for long rides up, up and down the lakefront, and it's just, you know, getting out and getting away from um, sort of my home environment, I suppose. Um, you know, everybody has their own way of dealing with it, basically. And uh, I was busy writing this down. As a, a self-help guide, it was more to remind myself that, you know, that, okay, this, this, this will pass, there are, there is light at the end of the tunnel, and you know how to deal with it now, and yeah, it's not pleasant, but, you know, you, you don't have to beat yourself up about it, you don't have to take it out on everybody around you, um, it, although sometimes that still happens, because, you know, it, it really, it does take control of you, it's very difficult to, to, to master. So I wrote this down, and of course, being, being a songwriter, I couldn't help but to put music to it, and uh, so I, I did that, and, and I, you know, I, I sent it to the band, uh, just in amongst a, a bunch of other songs, and uh, you know, they, they, that was one of the ones that they picked up on and were like, sort of, you know, that 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 Dark Places song, and I said, yeah, actually, that one I kind of didn't really mean to send through to everybody. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I want to record it. 
I think probably because I, I thought it was too, not only too personal, but it was also who the hell wants to listen to me moan on, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, I mean, you're obviously right. It was actually Ali who insisted that we record it, and he he really pushed hard for it to to be, you know, on the record. And I am incredibly glad we did, just simply because, you know, I hear stories about, like the one you just told me, um, I hear those a lot. And, and you know, if, if the song has helped anybody in any way, then obviously I'm hugely grateful for that because I know what a, what a swine it is to suffer with, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it, bizarrely it was a song that nearly didn't happen, but uh, I'm really glad it did. Awesome, yeah. And you know what? That'll bring us to the end. That's all I got for you. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for doing this. It was awesome. Absolutely my pleasure. Okay, and uh, I'm pretty sure we'll see you in Nelson. Okay, cool. Looking forward to it. Okay. (laughs) All right, thanks so much again. Thanks a million. Take care. All the best. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Don't delete it. (laughs) 